0: Hosea chapter number 8, Hosea chapter number 8, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1, Hosea chapter 8, verse number 1, he says, set the trumpet to thy mouth, he shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. Israel shall cry unto me, my God, we know thee. Israel hath cast off the thing that is good. The enemy shall pursue him. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Of their silver and their gold have they made them idols, that they may be cut off. Thy calf, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. Mine anger is kindled against them. How long will it be ere they attain to innocency? For from Israel was it also the workmen made it, therefore it is not God, but the calf of Samaria shall be broken in pieces. And uh, we're kind of starting through chapter number eight here, and as he starts here, he says, set the trumpet to thy mouth, or basically saying, sound the alarm. Uh, the, the alarm needs to be sounded here because judgment is coming. And uh, it's very interesting what he uses these, uh, just as he used some different analogies uh, back in chapter 7. He uses some analogies here uh, in chapter 8 as a kind of explaining what is going on, what is transpiring with Israel and how the judgments are are coming about here. And, And so the first uh, the first example, the first illustration that he uses is he says, he shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord. Um, now, eagles are beautiful animals, right? If you have the bald eagle, I think we have a picture of a bald eagle here. And uh, they're just, they're very beautiful. They're very majestic, but they're very skillful hunters as well. Um, they're, they're uh, you know, you definitely don't want their talons getting into you. Uh, they have got some pretty sharp uh, talons on them, but they they fly. They hunt from anywhere between ten and twenty thousand feet in the air. Do you imagine that their their eyesight is so good that they are they are able to to see from ten thousand feet up in the air, twenty thousand feet up in the air, and they're able to identify. Uh, small animals. They're able to identify a rabbit. They're able to identify things like that from, I mean, from out of sight, right? Um, but yet as they, as they are flying about and as they hover, they're able to uh, scan the ground looking for prey. In fact, uh, eagles can actually reach a speed of up to 100 miles an hour, now, obviously, they don't fly like that all the time, but uh, they, if, when, they are, when they are diving, they can reach speeds of up to 100 miles an hour. That's pretty fast, right? So what, what is he saying here? Why is he using an eagle as an, as an example of how judgment is coming, right? He says, "...he shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have trespass, or transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law." He says that he's using this example as an eagle because God says their judgment is coming like an eagle. It's coming so quickly and so fast that they're really not even going to see it coming. They are Assyria. Of course, we know who the judgment is referring to here, who's going to bring this judgment, and that is the Assyrian Empire. And it's like Assyria has been hovering right 10,000 feet above Israel. They've been watching, uh, they've, been, they've been biding their time, they, they've been hovering, and now God says, all right, now they're going to come, and they're going to come swiftly, they're going to come like that eagle. They're waiting for the right time, and now they're going to come with great speed. And it's interesting, when, when you look at uh, these, these birds of prey, uh, the, the talons and, and that they have in their feet are just really, really fascinating because... Um, when they when they catch something, um, I was listening to a, a, a falcon. Uh, I don't know if a falconer or whatever you call the guys that um, do the birds and train the birds and things like that. But he was explaining that in their in their claws. You know, when you ever you ever seen a picture of like a, uh, an eagle or uh, some bird of prey that they've caught something and they're kind of like stuck on the ground. Or they're stuck in the water. It's like, well, why don't they just let go and fly away? Why don't they just, you know, let it go? Do you know they can't? It's really interesting because once, once their talons sink in, it's like, have you ever used a zip tie? Any of you guys ever use zip ties? Some of you ladies may not know what a zip tie is, but that's all right. But if you guys know what a zip tie is, you know how when you, when you put that, the end of the tie into that, that little square spot and then you start cranking it down, right? that's got those little pieces that click, 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 and you can't pull it back out, right? That's what they say in the tendons of these eagles, that's what happens in these birds of prey. They have these like, they're almost like zip ties, so when they clamp down, they can't unclamp right away. And it will actually take a while, it'll take a few minutes before their tendons and their muscles will relax to be able to let go. And that's why you see sometimes you'll find these animals like an eagle or something like that, that they're, they're kind of stuck in the water because they've grabbed onto a fish, but they can't pull it out, but they can't let go either. Uh, and that's how some of them actually even drowned. It's not that they, the fish has pulled them under, it's just they can't, they can't let go. Um, and, and this is what he's saying. The, the Assyrians are coming, they're coming with speed, uh, they're coming with feroc- ferocity. Is that a word? For ferocity? That doesn't sound right. What? No, not velocity. ferocity. Like, they're ferocious. Is that a word? Ferocity? Yeah. Sounds like a good word. We, sh- we should put that in the dictionary, right? You know, aren't they making up new words all the time? Ferocity. They're ferocious. They're, c- they're coming with, they're mean, right? They're, they're coming with, uh, they're not going to be nice when they come. And, and so he's saying that they're going to, they're coming like this eagle, but watch what he says here. And he gives several reasons why that that this is happening here. Notice what he says, right? Uh, And again, this is where he's saying, sound the alarm because look, you know, just as the watchman had the responsibility to sound the alarm when, when an enemy was coming and when danger is coming, he's like, all right, the alarm has been sounded. Now it's up to you. You, you have to make a decision. Are you going to listen to the alarm? Are you going to listen to the warning? Or are you just going to keep on doing what you're doing? And of course, Obviously, we understand that Israel just keeps on doing what they they pay no attention to the alarm, right? So watch what he says here. Because, and again, it's it's against the house of the Lord, not talking about the temple, right? He's not talking about the temple, which is sometimes referred to as the house of the Lord, but the house of the Lord is referring to Israel itself because these were God's people, yeah? So he says they're coming against the house of the Lord. And watch this, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed my law. Now, sometimes we can think that that would almost be the same thing. Is is he being repetitive here when he says they've transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law? But really, it's two two separate things here, and that's why he mentions them this way. And when you go back and you look at the covenants that God made with, with Israel, right? Beginning with who? The covenants that God made with Israel started with who? With which person? Abraham, right? So when you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, and notice this, and it's, it's really fascinating as I was kind of going through this. In Genesis chapter 12, he says in verse number one, "Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house unto land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed." So here, God is making this covenant with Abraham that he is going to make a great nation out of him, uh, and that through him all nations are going to be blessed. Right? So here is this, uh, if you would say, it's kind of a, a, it's a national covenant. God is saying, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Right? But this isn't the only time we see God making a covenant with Abraham. Right? So he says here, I'm going I'm to take you. I'm going to make a great nation of you. Uh, I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless thee, curse him that curseth thee. Right? Well, flip over to chapter 15. In chapter 15, we have God making another covenant with Abraham. In chapter 15, and we don't have time to read the whole passage here, but uh, here is in verse number 18, it says, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And then he talks about some other people there. So here is not really a national covenant covenant, but this is more covenant about the land. He says, look, I'm going to give you this land. This land is going to be your people's. Right Now in chapter 12, he said, I'm going to make a great nation of you. He says, now here's where the nation is going to be. Right? This is the land that I'm going to give to you. And he explains where that is from the river uh, Egypt, uh, which we would know as the Nile River, uh, unto the great river Euphrates. So all of that middle Eastern section there, from, from the Nile River to the Euphrates River, all that God said, is theirs right now what's really interesting right did God say from the Nile River to the Jordan River God said from the Nile River to the river Euphrates this is interesting has Israel ever had all the land that God promised them They never have now they've had the land around the Jordan River and from the, the, the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, to the Jordan River and around that. But they've never had all of that land. But yet God says to Abraham, this is the land I'm giving you, right? This is, this is yours. I'm giving this land to you. Then turn over to chapter 17. In chapter 17, again, God is reaffirming this covenant with Abraham it says in verse number three, and Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, "As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for I have, uh, for a father of many nations, have I made thee." And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for in an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So here... Again, God is making this covenant. He's reaffirming this covenant. But this again, there's there's a little bit more to it. This is not just about uh, the nation or the land. But this is saying, I'm gonna. Uh, nations are gonna come from you. Kings are gonna come from you. Uh, and this covenant is an everlasting covenant. Right. This is an everlasting covenant that I'm making with you, Abraham. Uh, and so now go over to chapter twenty-two. Because again, God speaks about this and we kind of see how it's building. He first promised the nation, then he gives them the land. Then he says, now through you, you're going to have nations and kings and this everlasting covenant. And then in chapter 22, notice in verse number 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the second time, uh, out of heaven the second time and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. So here again, God is uh, talking about this covenant that he's making with him, but this really is specific more about the blessing of all nations through Israel, that through him and through his seed, all nations will be blessed, right? And so God is using these different covenants, and he's saying, these are my covenants with you, right? I'm I'm making this covenant with you, Uh, and again, this was God making it with Abraham, right? Not just Abraham and somebody else, this was God making this covenant, And so when he's saying they have transgressed God's covenant, think about this. Why why would he say they have transgressed God's covenant? I mean, aren't they in the land? Well, sure, they're in the land. I mean, what Israel would call their land, although they didn't take all of it. But what, what about the covenant have they transgressed? I mean, nations have come from them, kings have come from them, but what is it? Why would God say they have transgressed against God's covenant? What is it about the covenant that they have transgressed? Anybody? Are they being a blessing to all nations? Are they being what God wanted them to be? Because remember, he said, I want to take you and I'm going to make you a great nation. And from you, all nations are going to be blessed. Were the nations around being blessed because of Israel? No, they weren't being blessed. Because Israel was transgressing the covenant. They weren't doing what God had told them to do. And so now, instead of them being a blessing to these other nations, what is God doing? God's having to use these other nations to judge them. Where'd the blessing go? Remember what he said? When when they bless you, I will bless them. When they curse you, I will curse you. But yet, they transgress because God said, you're going to be the blessing. I want you to be a blessing to these other nations. But they said, all we care about is ourselves. We don't care about being a blessing. We don't care about showing Christ or showing God to the rest of the world. All we care about is ourselves. So watch what he says again. Not only did they transgress God's covenant, but he says they have trespassed against my law. Again, God's law and God's covenant are not the same thing. Now, we would say, we would talk about the Ten Commandments or something like that, but and that's, that's referring more to the law, not the covenant with God. And so go with me back to the book of Exodus chapter 19 now. In Exodus chapter 19, and we're going to see kind of how these tie in together here, because the covenant had to do with God making Israel that, that great nation. And through them, all nations were supposed to be blessed. Now, we understand, we know, again, because we, we get the whole picture, right? We've got the whole puzzle put together, or most of it, right? There's a couple corner pieces maybe we don't have put together yet because we're not exactly sure and what some things in Revelation and Ezekiel and some of those things. But for the most part, we've got most of the puzzle put together, and we can look and see how everything was. And so when you think about it, God says, look, I'm going to make a great nation of you and through you, all nations are going to be blessed. And and we understand that, that there is a reference there to through the nation of Israel is going to come who? Jesus, the Messiah, right? And we know that through the Messiah, all nations are going to be blessed. So does that mean that God's covenant that all nations would be blessed would not be fulfilled for thousands of years? Sometimes we just, assume, we just associate the blessing of all nations with that one event about the Messiah coming. But see, they were to be a blessing to all nations throughout the whole time, not just through the Messiah coming. Yes, the Messiah was going to come, and he was going to, because of him, People from all tribes and all nations and all languages are going to be saved, but they were to still be a blessing to all people throughout this whole time period for these thousands of years until the Messiah came. And sometimes we just think, oh, it's just about the Messiah. No, no, no. They were to be a blessing to all nations, right? So watch what happens. The covenant has to deal with God choosing Israel to be his people and to be that blessing. But watch what the law does when he talks about transgressing or trespassing against the law, right? Transgression means you've broken it, right? But trespassing means you have, you've done something you're not supposed to do. What does it mean when you've trespassed? You've gotten on somebody's property that you weren't supposed to, right? That's the, see those signs, no trespassing. That means stay off. This is not where you're supposed to be. So watch what he says. They've trespassed against my law. Wow. Well, what's he say in Exodus chapter 19, verse number five. Um, now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So think about it. Um, he says, look, I'm giving you not only a Uh, a covenant but I'm also giving you a law and this law that I'm giving you um, is about how you are to conduct yourselves as my people right the covenant has to do with you being my people I'm going to make a great nation out of you but the law has to do with how they were to conduct themselves as God's people again remember they God wanted them to be a blessing to all nations throughout the whole time period not just when the Messiah came so the, 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 the covenant is God saying you're going to be my people, I'm gonna, nations are going to come through you, kings are going to come to you, you're going to be a blessing to all nations. The law says this is the conduct that I expect of you so that people will recognize who you are and so you can be a blessing to all people, right? So he says this is what I'm expecting of you. Then in chapter 20, uh, chapter 21 and 22, of course, what do we have? We have what we would call the law that's given, right? And of course, in chapter 20, uh, we have what many people refer to as the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Uh, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. Uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Um, you have honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. But you keep going even throughout here, and you have different laws that God has given. This is the conduct that I expect you to live by. The covenant is you are my people, right? You're my people. I want you to be a blessing to all people by being my people. They broke that. They said, no, we don't want to be a blessing. The law was this is the conduct that I expect you to live by, right? This is the law. And again, sometimes we get this idea that law means you know we're, we're forbidden to do something. No, no. Law is freedom. Law really is freedom. You are free as long as you remain inside the bounds of the law. You're free, right? You're not free to go beyond the bounds of the law. You see where I'm going with this? What did Israel do? They said, we see the bounds of the law... We see that beyond the bounds of the law, there are what kind of signs? No trespassing signs. You stay within the bounds of the law. You don't go beyond the bounds of the law. You stay within here, you're good. You go beyond, bad. What did they do? They trespassed. They said, we don't want to stay within the bounds of the law. We don't want to stay in what you are telling us, God. We want to go and do what we want to do, right? Deuteronomy chapter 4 over to Deuteronomy chapter 4 Deuteronomy chapter 4 I really thought I was going to get through the whole chapter tonight and then I started kind of studying as like yeah that's not going to happen Deuteronomy chapter 4 Notice in verses 5 through 8, right? Behold I have taught you statutes And judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded thee, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess. So Moses is telling them, These are the statutes and the judgment that God told me to teach you to do in the land, right? Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, So here's, he says, This is why I want you to do this. So that the rest of the world will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? God said, the covenant is I'm making you my people and you're going to be a great nation and I want you to be a blessing to everyone. The law is this. This is how I want you to live so that people will look at you and say, man, that's amazing. What an amazing God you guys have. A God that wants you to live righteously. A God that is with you. A God that hears you and answers your prayer. Why? Because God knew that in, in, in Israel here, where they're going to be, around them, the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and all the otherites, they cared nothing about God and they served false gods that didn't hear them, that didn't answer their prayer, that couldn't do anything for them. So God is saying, this is how I want you to live within the bounds of the law so that people will look at you and say, Wow. Surely, this is a great nation. Surely, they serve a great God. You see what God's doing here? He says, look, I'm making this covenant with you. You're my people, and here's the law. This This is the boundary of the law that I'm giving you. This is the conduct. This is how you're supposed to live, so that they will say, this is a great nation, wise and understanding. What nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them? That's pretty powerful. So what happens? Well, if you go back to Exodus chapter 19, Exodus chapter 19, how did the people respond to this? In Exodus chapter 19, notice in verse number 8. Numbers is not going to work. Sorry, I was in numbers. So Exodus chapter 19. So after God says this, what do we find in verse number 8? And all the people answered together and said, what? All that the Lord hath spoken we will do. They said, all right, this is what God said. These are the the commandments. These are the laws. Not the covenant. These are the laws of God. This is how God expects to live. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. All that God has said we will do. Man, we're God's chosen people, and God has called us. He's going to make a great nation out of us, and this is what God wants of us, and so whatever God says, we're going to do. Did they? Nope. And this is why he says, not only did you transgress the covenant, but you have trespassed against my laws. Because instead of staying within the bounds and being the people that God wanted you to be, that that priesthood of believers and that great nation that the world could look at now, instead of the world looking at you saying they have something we don't have, now God is saying the world is looking at you saying we're that hovering evil, we're we're, we're looking for prey and God is going to use them to bring judgment upon the ones who are supposed to be a witness to the rest of the world. They have transgressed the covenant. They trespassed against my law. Go back, go back to Hosea. He continues here. They have tra- transgressed my covenant. They have trespassed against my law. Israel shall cry unto me, my God, we know thee. He said, even through all this, they, they still cried, oh God, we know you. God, we love you. Well, wait a minute. How can you love me and transgress my co- covenant? How can you say you love me and know me and trespass against my law? That You're, you're, you're saying something with your mouth, but living a whole totally different life, right? He's saying it's not matching up. You can say you know me all you want. You can say you love me all you want, but your actions don't prove it, right? I mean, that's why even in Matthew, what did Jesus say? Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and done wonderful works in thy name and cast out devils in thy name? Oh, we've used the name of Jesus. So? Just because you use the name of Jesus doesn't mean you're saved. He says, just because you say you know me, just because you say you love me, doesn't mean anything. That's why Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. You're going to call out and you're going to say, my God, we know thee. But God says, no, you don't know me. Watch. He says in verse 3, Israel has cast off the thing that is good. They cast off that which was good. They traded the creator of the universe for a created idol. The one who had created the stars, the one who said, look, I'm going to take you and make a great nation of you. Your your people are going to be as the sand of the sea and as the stars of heaven. They took that God and traded him in for a little idol that you could sit on your shelf. Good trade, right? He said, you have, tra- you have cast off that which is good. You-, you traded the creator for a created idol. They traded the one who loved them, who had called them out, who had blessed them, who had given them a land, who said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. They traded the one who loved them for the one who used them. Those there didn't care about Israel. The Assyrians, the Egyptians, the the Edomites, the Moabites, they didn't care about Israel. They simply wanted to use them for whatever they could get out of them. Oh yeah, that's a great trade. Let's, Let's trade the one who loves us and cares for us for those who don't care about us. They cast off that which was good. They traded what was good for what was evil. Again, we would, we would look at this and we'd say, don't they have any common sense? Well, we saw last week in chapter 7 that God says, you don't even have common sense. You don't even ca- ca- Remember he said, you're, you're silly doves. Remember that? He's, you're you're not about silly doves. You, you lack common sense. You're, you're casting off that which is good. You, you don't want what is good. You're, you're trading what is good for what is evil. And yet you say, you know me? You say you love me? No, it doesn't work that way. Notice what he says in verse number four. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. What are you saying? You, you've, you've set up your own kingdom. You, you've set up kings. But God says, I didn't put them there. From Jeroboam? Jeroboam? To, to Omri, who, uh, Omri was the one, who, Omri was Ahab's father in law. Omri was uh, Jezebel's father, right? Omri was the one that made Samaria to be the, uh, the, the capital city of the northern kingdom, right? Omri to Ahab, all the way through. I mean, you look at all these kings. God says, You've set up kings, you, you, you have made these people to be kings. But I had nothing to do with it. He said, not by me. I didn't tell you to make them kings. I didn't tell tell you to make them kings and to lead you in this way. I didn't tell you to set up these princes. He says at the end, And their gold, of their silver and their gold, have they made them idols, and they may be cut off. Thy calf, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. Remember the calves that were made? Remember that Jeroboam... Made after he, the, the northern kingdom divided from the southern kingdom. He made two calves of gold because he was afraid that Israel would go back down to Jerusalem in worship. So he made these calves of gold. He says, thy calf, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. Mine anger is kindled against them. How long will it be ere they attain to innocency? For from Israel was it also the workmen made it. Therefore it is not God. <laughs> they made gods. Of gold and silver and said these are our gods again common sense would make you to understand if you can make something then it's probably not a god right I mean if you can make it it's probably not a god if it if it can't hear you and answer you Probably not a god. But yet he says, you've taken your gold and silver. And think about this. Where did they get the gold and silver? Where did they get what they had? From God. Even though they continually rebelled against God, God still tried to provide for them. Remember, again, the the whole picture is going back to to Gomer and Hosea. Gomer goes off into, into harlotry and adultery, and yet Gomer just continues to provide for and to take care of her she thinks it's all the other people doing it Hosea said no it's really me God says you think all these other nations are the ones that are providing and caring for you they say they care nothing about you it's really me that has taken care of you I'm the one that has provided for you and they've taken the blessings of God they took what God gave to them and said oh this is the blessing we're going to go ahead and make it into a god Let's take what God has given to us and make our own gods out of it. God had given them strict instructions about this, remember? In fact, what is the very first commandment? The very first commandment, commandment number one, was what? Thou shalt have no other Gods before me there's the line there's the line God says here it is no other gods no trespassing you don't go beyond this no other gods I am your God I am the one that made this covenant with you I am the one that is going to make a great nation out of you I'm the one that's going to provide for you and do these things here's, here's the law here's the boundary don't go beyond it no trespassing yeah we don't care we don't care about God's law. We don't care that you're the one that brought us out of Egypt. We don't care about what you've done. We're going to take all the blessings that you have given us with, and we're going to make these images, we're going to make these idols, and we're going to say, those are our gods. Do you understand why God says here um, in verse number five, mine anger is kindled against them? You, know, you understand why God says, my anger is against you. I am, and again, Sometimes we can use our own idea, but, and, and we have to be careful not to use our own emotions and attribute them to God. But if it was us, and, and we, were, we were God, <laughs> our anger would be, we were like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? You think we just look the other way? Of course not. We'd be pretty upset. Again, I understand God is is righteous and He is holy, but when there is blatant sin and a disobedience and a transgression of His his covenant and a trespassing of His laws, God said, Look, you're you're starting to to make me mad here. You're you're going beyond what I said. The very first thing I told you was don't make any other gods. What do you do? You take the gold and silver that I blessed you with, and you go out and make other gods with them. He says, look at verse 6, for from Israel was it also, the workmen made it, therefore it is not God. He said, how can you call this God when somebody had to make it? Think about it. How can you call it a God if somebody had to make it? It can't be a God. But yet you call it God. God is hes sounding the alarm, and he's saying, are you listening? Because if you're listening, you'll you'll prepare yourself, you'll repent, and you'll do what is right. If you're not listening, judgment is going to come, and it's going to come quick, and you're done. But I wonder, (laughs) again, we think about the covenant that God has made with us. God has said, I'm going to make you a child of God. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we become a child of God. And there's a covenant that God makes with us that we are his forever. Amen? We are his forever. We can never never stop being his children. But, did you know, under grace there is also a law. You say, oh no, we're we're out from under the law. We're under grace. Yeah, but there's called the law of Christ. And the the law of Christ is this. This is, I've made you mine. Now this is how I want you to behave. This is how I want people to see you. I want them to see you so that they will say, man, what a God they serve. Man, look, a God that listens to them, a God that is close to them. Man, look at how righteous they are. Look at the difference they have in their life. Not the same covenant with Israel, but we have a covenant not the same law as the law of Moses, but we have a law. And I wonder if God is saying, what is wrong with you? I've made you mine. I sent my son to die for you. I made a covenant with you that when you accepted Christ as, my, as your Savior, that you became mine forever for eternity. And I've given you a law. This is how I want you to live. I want you to live righteously and holy and godly in this present world. I want you to deny ungodliness and worldliness and lust and all these things. Put those things aside and live the way I want you to live so that the world can see that. And what do we do? We trespass, we go beyond his law. Oh, but I'm under grace. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is not a license to go beyond God's law. Grace is God saying, look, as long as you remain within the boundary here, you are free. Yes, we have liberty in Christ. But that liberty in Christ means liberty in Christ as long as I am within what he wants me to do. But as soon as I step out of it, uh, that's not liberty. That's called trespassing. We have trespassing. Transgressed his covenant. We have trespassed against his law. We cast off the thing that is good. Can there be anything greater than Jesus Christ and what he has done for us? And then we say, you know what? I don't need him anymore. I got what I want out of it, and I don't need him anymore. And we trade the Creator. For the created. We trade that which is good for that which is evil. Oh, but we say, I I love the Lord. I love Him. God said, You can say it all you want. That doesn't change. You have trespassed and you have transgressed, and you can say it all you want. But that's not going to change what's coming next. Oh, but I'm a Christian. I'm saved. God can't judge me. Uh, God's not going to condemn you for your sin, but nowhere does the Bible say God's not going to bring judgment. Nowhere does the Bible say God's not going to discipline his children. They cast off that which is good. They set up kings. Oh, you say, well, we don't don't set up kings and everything. Uh, People set up kings in their life all the time. People set up their own kings. Things that order their lives instead of Jesus what's ordering your life is it your job is it your family you can set up kings without it actually being a physical king and by the way we can also set up gods too We can put gods up. We can take the very blessings that God has given to us and set up our own gods of them. We make gods out of the blessings instead of looking to him as our God. And you know what God says? It's time to sound the alarm. It's time to blow the trumpet. It's time to say, hey, you better make a decision here. Because if you don't change, if you don't repent, and if you don't do what is right, if you don't get back in where you're supposed to be, judgment's going to fall. <laughs> the enemy, the enemy's always lurking about. The enemy, oh, you can't see him. He's 10,000 feet up there. 20,000 feet up there. You can, you're not going to see him, but he's lurking. And he's watching, and he's waiting to the right time. You step outside of there, and you watch and see how fast he doesn't strike. And when he gets a hold, it's not a quick fix. It's not just, oh, let go, and now I go back. No, no, he's got you. And it's going to take some effort. It's going to take the power of God to be able to get his grip off of you. You say, well, I thought you said I was saved. I thought you said I'm going to heaven. Look, if you're saved, you're saved. That's, there's no doubt about that. But the Bible says the devil walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he says just like that eagle hovering about, 10,000 feet up, 15,000 feet up, watching its prey till it gets to the right spot. and you're done. Some of us need an alarm sounded. Our nation needs an alarm sounded. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. Why? Because we're supposed to be the ones that they're able to see that there's a difference in. We're the ones that they're able to be able to say, Look at their God. Man, he's not like ours. But instead, we start thinking that the world has all that we want. And the world says, I don't care anything about you. And we trade the good for the evil. We trade what God has for us. (laughs) for what the world can take from us. That's not a good trade. But there's a lot of Christians making deals that should never be made. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, this is a very vivid picture, not just of Israel, Lord, but of Christians. Lord, often we we transgress. We break the covenant. We trespass the law. We go beyond it. We trade that which is good for that which is evil we make our own kings we set up our own gods and yet we say we're Christians and we love you God Lord we need the alarm to be sounded Lord for Christians to wake up and realize if we don't repent and if we don't get back where we need to be judgment is going to come Father, help us to truly love you and to show that love by keeping the covenant, by keeping your laws, by living in such a way that you are first in our lives that others might see a God who is different from theirs, a God who hears and is near, a God who sees that we live holy and righteous and godly in this present evil world. Father, would you help us to keep you first in our life? Lord, the enemy's out there, and we can't see him. He's just hovering around, waiting for his opportunity. Lord, I pray you'd help us to stay near to you. Help us to truly love you, and walk with you. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed this evening, the piano's just going to play softly tonight. Friend, maybe there's something in your life that God has spoken to your heart about tonight. Do you need an alarm to go off in your life? Think about what God has said about Israel and how it... <laughs> very aptly portrays to the church. Have we transgressed that covenant that God made with us, that we would be His children? We have everlasting life. Yet, do we just live how we want to live? set up our own gods our own kings think we can live outside of the law of Christ that nothing's going to happen He asked a question to them How long will it be ere they attain to innocency? How long is it going to take for them to do what is right? How long in our life will it take for us to do what is right?